Welcome to Season 4 of E-Commerce Fastlane. This podcast helps resilient entrepreneurs thrive with Shopify. And now, on to Episode 141. You're listening to E-Commerce Fastlane, the podcast show to help you build, manage, grow, and scale a successful and thriving company. Powered by Shopify. Listen to real conversations with partners and subject matter experts as they share proven practical strategies, platforms, and the best Shopify apps to help you accelerate your business. The time is now for you to improve efficiencies, grow revenue, profit, and lifetime customer loyalty. Please welcome your host, startup founder and strategic advisor, Steve Hutt. Today's episode is brought to you by Omnisend. If you're in e-commerce marketing and it feels like those weekly newsletters are no longer enough to power your growth, you're going to love Omnisend. With more than 3,000 five-star reviews, Omnisend is the go-to choice for nimble Shopify merchants who want to step up from regular email campaigns so you can actually start increasing your sales, not your workload. With Omnisend, you'll be launching pre-built e-commerce automation in no time as well as intuitively segmenting customers based on their shopping behavior and even trying out SMS or push notifications, all from the same platform. The best part? Omnisend provides an immediate boost to your revenue while staying as easy as drag-and-drop email building, with automated emails averaging up to 40% of the total email revenue. Join Duke Cannon, Black Halo, and other high-growth Shopify brands that choose Omnisend to grow their e-commerce business on autopilot. So visit Omnisend.com and start your 14-day free trial today with no credit card required. Well, hey there, it's Steve, and welcome back to the e-commerce Fastlane podcast. Now, if this is your first time listening, this is an e-commerce show where we have honest and transparent conversations about building and thriving with your store powered by Shopify or Shopify Plus. New episodes are available twice weekly with your favorite podcast player like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and many more. You can also stream current episodes, including extremely relevant back catalog with over 120 episodes uh, directly from ecommercefastlane.com. And it focuses around the partner ecosystem and the apps, uh, developers, agency partners. So it's really uh, actionable content that's available uh, on Ecommerce Fastlane. Now, in today's episode, uh, my guest is Justin, who is one of the co-founders of Ad Kings, and they're a specialized boutique e-commerce agency. And what they do is they help Shopify brands to drive revenue in a kind of a sweet spot of like 50K to 500K a month. And then they continue to assist brands uh, to grow to seven figures or more a month. Very niche, very exciting kind of the kind of work they do. I know we had a little doc that I created and I wanted to see some of the case studies. It's very interesting, some of the work that they have done, and I think you'll be very excited to learn more about what they do. They really do execute in a, what I would want to call a more of an omni-channel approach, and it includes a lot of things, not just Facebook ads, but they also deal with conversion rate optimization. They get involved in email. They get involved in AdWords uh, you know, on, on the Google side, and obviously the SEO part with the content creation and editing. Very interesting. Typically, most brands, uh, from what I understand, will experience significant growth, usually in a few months. And I'm glad you're here today. Um, so let's jump in and learn more. So hi, Justin. Welcome to e-commerce Fastlane. 
Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know our time zones are significantly different. It's the evening time for you, but you know what? There is a lot of amazing talent around the world. Um, early for me, late for you, and I really appreciate. I know your time is precious that you're able to jump on this uh, recording today, because I believe that what you're doing is something very unique in the Shopify ecosystem. I mean, there are agency partners that can kind of help with, you know, one-off sort of tasks or very particular vertical, but AdKings goes about it in a little different approach. And so let's maybe share with the audience today, what exactly does AdKings, the agency do, and what sort of problems are you solving for Shopify store owners? Yeah, so again, thank you for having me. Definitely, we're working as well with uh, different e-commerce uh, businesses across the world. So it doesn't really matter if, if that's evening or that's the morning. With the North Americans, usually it's more kind of towards the evening for us. And with Australians or from someone from, from Asia, it's it's towards the, the morning. So it's uh, totally fine. Um, we're always excited. And me personally, I'm quite active on, on the sales calls and so on, so I'm always pumped actually talking with the different business owners, uh, what they're dealing with and so on. So answering your first question very shortly, uh, that was uh, kind of the main reason why we have started, even though I think we're not as, as old as an agency, I think two and a half years or so. But uh, when we came, uh, we kind of knew specifically what we want to do and how to do it differently because there were like thousands, uh, thousands of agencies here. On a big picture, generally what we have developed is actually we've developed a process that we follow and we thought we should name it somehow. And so that everyone would have, would relate to that no matter where they're coming from. So generally what we do is actually we use Everest e-commerce growth framework. And as you said, uh, we scale businesses to seven or eight figures brands and practically how we do it and what we do in general, I would say mainly we work a little bit differently from the rest of the agencies as we think and as we hear when we work with clients. We try to be focused on less clients than actually having more clients because our final goal is actually just to have about 20, 25 clients at the end of the day for an agency and just focus on the clients that we enjoy working and clients enjoy working with us as well. But uh, to reach that satisfaction on, on both sides, we just understood that it's it's definitely not enough just to cover one channel because businesses are complex and uh, e-commerce are, are the same. And, you know, if, if you're just focused on one channel, things in online advertising and, you know, in technologies change every year. So you could be out of the business pretty quickly. That's why it's good to diversify what we do. Uh, but generally, we focus on five main services that we found brings enough complexity, but brings uh, enough value as well. So it's good with where you could start as a, as a smaller business and actually go to even a pretty established uh, eight-figure uh, brand by covering these five things. So mainly, just to summarize, it's mainly... Facebook advertising, AdWords, email marketing, conversion rate optimization, and content. When we talk about content, there's like two parts. One part is uh, for social media advertising, you need content. So it is mainly about images and, and videos. We have editors that are focused on conversion-driven, let's say, videos and so on. They, they know the principles and so on. And as well, content creation, which is... Uh, 
clients can send us the products and we would be able to organize the whole shoot for them. And especially it's really, really beneficial just because we work directly with advertising and we see the data all the time. So we just found that it's the best to own it because once we sometimes discuss with the clients about the content creation videos and so on, we decide of what we want to do. And then they go somewhere to some kind of a videographer who is not necessarily have done anything with the product shoots, which is can play a very significant role if you haven't really shot any videos of products, even though if you had, but you didn't really see how those videos performed in advertising, you know, you don't have any feedback loop at the end of the day. You know, one thing I noticed that I have a lot of brands that I manage and then having this podcast, I get messaged a lot through social media and even directly. And I'm finding that a lot of brands can be disappointed potentially working with freelancers or other agencies that like, like you said, they have hundreds, sometimes even a thousand customers that are working with them and they just keep growing that way. But you feel like you're just a cog in the wheel, so to speak, or even maybe sometimes the, the talent just isn't in there. The director of marketing who should maybe oversee the overall scope of branding and growth tends to start wearing a lot of hats. And as a brand grows, all of a sudden it's really hard to be specialized in certain areas. So what do you see on your end? Because obviously you vet the right customers and merchants that fit your framework, this, as you call it, this e-commerce growth framework. What have you seen, you know, as far as your interviews with people and the customers that you do onboard versus kind of what's happened to them in the rest of the ecosystem? Yeah, that's totally true. Both are like thousands of agencies, but um, what we have found out at some point, we were freelancers ourselves, or we did our own e-commerce businesses and we just figured out what we actually like doing and what we don't. And uh, let's say conversion-driven marketing was something that we really enjoyed and we just wanted to focus on that. But at the end of the day, we just figured out that we don't really want to work with anyone we have gone through those bad experiences as well. There are good and bad clients, good and bad agencies as well. So we have experienced some bad client experiences uh, too when you know some clients don't really want to pay you the money, for example, even though you put the time and effort and even maybe you brought the results. But yeah, uh, generally uh, coming back to, to the question, there are a number of challenges and then definitely the biggest one is that a lot of agencies actually operate that the agencies have a lot of clients and what we have seen is that, let's say, if you're an advertiser, someone in the team is doing the advertising. So let's say you're a senior Facebook as manager or something like that. And we've been recruiting some guys from other agencies and we have just discovered that they've been managing actually 15 or 20 clients at the same time. And if you've been on, on this uh, channel, Facebook, you know that... Um, Things happen and you cannot really control. Algorithms changes. Uh, I don't know, your account get blocked or whatsoever. And imagine that this happens uh, for half or even all of your clients at the same time. How you can solve the issues for that many clients um, that suffer. At the end of the day, you know, how much time you can put into each client, uh, you know, every day, every week or so. That's one of the issues I would say that uh, a lot of uh, businesses would discuss with us or we jump on a call or let's say we chat, mention uh, as a bad experiences, I would say that is the biggest one. That's why we have decided actually that in our team, our team members would work only with three to five clients at most at the same time. That's why we come more as a, as a partners. So I'm always saying 
Facebook or AdWords or email is just another channel that you do. It's not a full business. It's just a channel, a tool that you use to track, you know, customers and sales. But there is so much complexity that happens in the in the actual business. And what often what another thing I'm I'm hearing is that sometimes e-commerce businesses will work with uh, with uh, some freelancers or uh, agencies that they feel that at some point either uh, they're not doing enough or they're stagnating. So generally, they just focus on one thing. So let's say it's just one channel, let's say AdWords, and that's it. They don't really give any suggestions or recommendations how it should be done or what could be improved on the website. But we can understand that, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, your cost per click would be low, but at the end of the day, you would would push the customer to the website. But if the website or the product is really bad, it won't convert and uh, they won't make a sale. So no matter how good you are in AdWords, or Facebook or email, if if the website and the and the business is not operating to the standards, it won't work. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then I'm going to call these customer experience audits. But you're right. When you look at a brand, sometimes and people ask me for advice or teardowns, like, hey, can you have a look at our site uh, because my Facebook ads aren't doing very well, or I'm trying to get things going. But then I start looking at some of the basics of the website. Do you have live chat in your website? Is there a pulse going on? Do you have great product photography? Are you priced competitively? Is this a product that people actually want? And how are you differentiating yourself to the market? I mean, there's a lot of basic kind of like just business skills of like, how can I break through the noise? And then, okay, great. When you have that kind of product market fit of your brand, then you can see the benefits of really starting to, to ramp up because, you know, you're building community. Maybe you have some kind of influencers or brand ambassadors and you're starting to build some user-generated content. I mean, that virality that happens just kind of organically through social media is probably the best starting point just to prove the value of your brand. When you have like, you know, some raving fans, some user generated content, some reviews and things are just like the social proof. When that sort of thing starts happening, the flywheel starts. And that's when I believe ad kings can really kick in because you've proven that you can sell the delivery, the post purchase experience is great. All of that piece is all working. Now, how do we get it to a wider audience? I think is where you fit into the mix. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the other things that usually happens and why some of the businesses come to us just because we offer kind of omni-channel solution. Because what we have seen, let's say even with freelancers or some other agencies or even in-house teams that often can happen is uh, if the, the business have grown to a certain level, they might stagnate and actually don't really know how to continue growing profitably. Or for example, if a freelancer or an agency is working uh, with the e-commerce business, They do the things, but they don't really educate or inform of what's happening in the account. What are the challenges? What are the changes? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because at the end of the day, you are still some kind of a service provider that that you do, even though you can, let's say we call ourselves partners, but we don't own the business. We can give the recommendations. We can do the changes and so on. But at the end of the day, this is the owner's responsibility to to make a decision. For example, if we would offer like one more channel, because uh, let's say we would 
prove and so on. But at the end of the day, the the, the client is deciding if they want to do it or, or not. It doesn't matter how much you would uh, try to convince them. But uh, definitely, um, I would totally agree what you're saying. You need to understand things that are bigger picture, that uh, the e-commerce and the marketing, as I said, marketing is just a tool, but uh, the e-commerce is the whole business. And as you said, there are basics for marketing that you need to, to have um, in place, but that's the same goes to the business on its own. And there are different requirements and different stages that businesses go through while growing. I'm usually identifying like three different um, avatars or stages, let's say for businesses which are up to about 2 million yearly revenue, then between three to six, let's say million, and then Mm -hmm. 8 million and onwards to let's say eight figures. Usually once they are in that stage, it doesn't matter in what type of the niche you are or whatever, you will encounter similar problems uh, all the time. And if you haven't been there as a business, you can do you can do so many things. But at the end of the day, it's still about the priorities. So how you know on what you need to focus? Is it something that you let's say you need to start working on a new channel, uh, maybe a new product development or hire someone in a team or some some other things. It's it's definitely what we try to bring is just a, a general understanding of where they are, what they're facing right now and what could be the solutions or the next actions, not necessarily in the marketing, but in the business itself, because uh, there's a lot of complexity there. And yeah, this is how we bring up not only the marketing, but the, the general business and e-commerce understanding of what and why and when things need to happen. Either you're accelerating and on what you need to focus or you just now at a smaller stages and you're growing. So what should be the main priority for you? Yeah, and I guess the word I think, as you're just saying this, is becoming a trusted advisor is really where you're, you know, yes, you're an agency and yes, you can execute a multi-channel kind of ad campaigns, you know, from awareness and consideration and conversions. And I understand all of that. And then obviously your retention strategy. So these are things that you do, but at the end of the day, it's also about, being a trusted advisor. So you're saying, well, I think there's some other elements on page that need to be addressed to help give a better return on ad spend. And so I think offering that advice, maybe not necessarily doing it, but recommending saying, hey, we're doing our part. We're creating some engaging, amazing content. However, we believe that your product details pages, your pricing, uh, social proof, whatever it is, post-purchase experience is poor, whatever it is. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that there's some opportunity to saying, you know, as part of a, a monthly call with the brand and saying, hey, just so you know, we're executing quite well with the budget constraints that we do have. However, we believe that the return on ad spend would be even higher if you did X, Y, and Z. It sounds like a job that I do at Shopify. I mean, I manage a book of business and that's my job is, is, is to help with growth. I mean, I can't do the work. I'm not the agency partner, but man, do I get into the weeds to really help the brand grow and scale. And I delicately nudge them in the right direction about some recommendations. Hence this podcast, it's sometimes there's going to be partners or brands right now that are going to want to outsource some of the work. And that's why I'm recording today because I believe that you offer value to the Shopify ecosystem for those that, um, you know, are, are stagnant or those that just require that little extra hand-holding to, you know, get some top-of-funnel kind of acquisition strategies in order. So what I'd like to do is make a slight pivot because I understand completely what you do now more than maybe reading the website and kind of our offline kind of chatter before we recorded. But 
I'd like to figure out and maybe share more about the founder's journey because I understand you're a co-founder. You know, Darius, I know, is a, is a partner in this organization. So I just would love to hear that story about, you know, just the founding team in general and just where does expertise come from to build Ad Kings? Yes, uh, good question. So as he said, uh, generally the, the whole agency started about two and a half years ago. It started a little, a little bit earlier but as a, as a proper business and an agency, it started about two and a half years ago. It was in 2019, beginning of 2019, when we kind of established the, the whole entity. But yes, we are two uh, co-founders. And from the very beginning, we've split our responsibilities as we identified our strengths and weaknesses. So as we call it in general, we make our agency in a, more as a front end and a back end. So I'm responsible for the back end which is uh, how the agency operates. I'm responsible partially for for sales, for recruiting people, financials, and, and some other things. So generally, mostly how the agency operates and with whom we work and what is the relationship at more the higher level. And my partner, Darius, he's uh, more as a overlook in the front end, which is mostly performance team. So everyone from Facebook to to email people, AdWords, conversion rate optimization, and so on. And what are the, the biggest trends and the next things that we want to do? So why we split those that way? So my background, I've worked in a big organization prior to this. I've been involved in a business-to-business sales. I've been uh, managing bigger teams. Do I've, I've been in a position like a business development uh, position, having multiple teams, organizing different projects and so on. So I was always interested actually uh, juggling a, f- a few projects at the same time because I found that my biggest kind of superpower, like a strength is uh, I never see the, the problem or the challenge. Um, somehow it's easy for me to find a solution because there's always, I see multiple solutions. If, if someone would bring a problem to me, even though I haven't ever seen it before, somehow for me, it's easy to find straight away just to think of what could be the next steps and the next possible solutions. So that's why I like actually to see a bigger picture and actually execute activities for other people. I've been as well, like in the marketing for a three, four, I think four years or so. So I just did that and I went more to the marketing in in general, did social media, websites, um, my own e-commerce business, but uh, still it's always been about operations. My Darius, uh, my uh, partner Darius is uh, overlooking the performance side uh, because he's been in the advertising and e-commerce since his high school. So it's been about eight years so he started with his own e-commerce business and the like locally, then he went to internationally. Then he had like uh, an agency which was focused like in, in general building the website, giving like some social media solutions and so on. So this is a clear distinction of from where we come in, what are the backgrounds. But uh, generally we've been uh, studying in the same university. So we were course mates. Uh, this is how we got to know each other. The, we... Haven't been a friends there that much, but we were involved in, in quite a number of projects uh, working together in university. Pretty much towards the end of, uh, of the university, somehow we decided to have a chat, go for a pool game. And then we just started talking about the business, what are the local realities. We knew pretty well what's happening in here locally since we're from pretty 
small country, Lithuania and Eastern Europe, knew quite a bit about Europe and so on. But uh, since we've been surrounded about in, we've been studying more about international business. I've been learning and working in English for like that, that time, four to five years or so. So that was something that we were used to, all the internationalism. But uh, we've been still acting locally. So the biggest thing for us just to go was to go internationally. That was more a psychological thing, to be honest. But that was like a huge motivator for us. And uh, and I'm always saying <laughs> for those who know anyone from Eastern Europe in general, we've been under the Soviet Union for quite a while and we still don't see that many opportunities. So there are a lot of good professionals here that haven't yet locally discovered any opportunities and they're really motivated because um, they don't have a lot of options. So what you give them, they're extremely motivated and challenged actually to figure it out and go to international ocean. Uh, So this was the same thing for us. We were so motivated and interested in international activities. And this is uh, what I think was a huge uh, motivation for us it still is because it's been such a interesting journey from our mindset and understanding changed, uh, you know, every quarter, every year and so on. And it's, uh, yeah, this is where we're coming from. And uh, this is how all, all the things started. Thank you for sharing that. Like, let's talk about like some of the challenges because, you know, I take calls every week. I have recurring calls every couple of weeks and certainly once a month uh, with a lot of Shopify brands. And part of our conversation is like, hey, what's keeping you up at night? What sort of KPIs or what sort of performance things are important for you? Because it is pretty complex out there just to kind of navigate growth, just the complexity that's out there and the competitiveness. And so from your perspective, because you obviously field a lot of calls from potential customers of yours, and you have, you know, a full range of customers currently that you're managing. So what do you see as some of the largest challenges right now? So the biggest challenges in, in general, what we what we look into and what we evaluate before even starting to work with the business, we actually do quite a bit of analysis before deciding if we if we can help or not really. So there's uh, a few calls that we do and we do a proper internal analysis before signing a contract uh, with a client. But just from the get-go, what we look into, definitely we try to understand where the business is coming from. Is there like one or a few founders? What's their experience? Because there's a lot what we're talking about here and what is obvious for us about that the business is complex. There's like not only marketing, there's uh, some other things that are around business and advertising and so on. This either comes with uh, some kind of education that you've been following, reading, um, going through the courses, or it comes with experience. There's still not a lot of uh, business owners that think the same way or have the same understanding at the end of the day. But uh, this is one thing that we try to value, which is kind of subjective to some extent. But uh, some of the other uh, measurable metrics we look into is uh, cost of goods sold percent. So what does it cost for you to, to make the product and for what you're selling? Uh, so generally profit margins that the product has, because if you want to advertise heavily on social media advertising, there's a good rule of thumb. Your product should be, let's say, about a 30% and you should have a 3x on top for what you would be selling. Because marketing, I'm not talking about the agency in general, I'm talking about, let's say, Facebook advertising, which is more as acquisition channel 
while AdWords is is, is still um, based on intent, they're searching for something. The algorithm works differently. So for cold acquisition channels, you need to have space for marketing and to be at the end of the day after even marketing costs to be profitable. So we look at the profit margins. We look at the average order value because uh, what we have discovered, even though you have a very good profit margin, so let's say we have a client which has 85% profit margins. So it's really good, but their average order value is just about $30. So we have scaled them from 30k now it's over 300k on average uh, on monthly basis but um, they've been still struggling to increase their average order value because uh, the more you scale the wider audience to start targeting the more it will cost for you and no matter if the profit margin is is really good you still shouldn't forget about the average order value so i i'm always saying you should have at least 50 to 60 dollars average order value getting closer to 100 it's even better because you'll just have more room for errors because those will always happen of course we we, we look and just check you know what are conversion rates if they're doing marketing or not uh, email marketing if there's like any percentage coming from from the back end we actively look into the product and the website some things that you have mentioned you know how the product looks like is it aesthetically looking okay is it attractive the images are attractive there's like a video about a product are the images in a different environments while using it, applying it, and, and, and so on. I would say the main metrics is uh, profit margin, average order value, conversion rate, and then we look in general at what stage the business is. Because once we know it, once they talk more about what been the challenges that they've been encountering, is it something that they're already established? And let's say about a, doing 100, 200K, but they cannot scale further because they're getting starting to be unprofitable or there's something else um, just by doing that for quite a while, as I said, businesses fall still into certain categories. It's pretty easy to identify what is the current challenge and potentially what will be the next ones. Then that's why we actually go into their account and check how they're running the actual ads. Because if there haven't been any structure there, they definitely don't even know what works and what doesn't. Because you should have a certain structure, how you approach testing, scaling, and so on. So, but these are the things that we look into later. One thing's interesting about the average order value. This, once again, this topic comes up quite a bit because I am total alignment about how do we increase the average order? How do we maximize the value of a customer? And I have like a doc that I have. It's almost like my little cheat sheet. Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes, but there's typically five ways that I have noticed about how people are increasing average order value. One is like, you know, having order minimums for free shipping and or other gifts and things that that can go along with the order. Because I really think that, you know, free shipping is, a really an effective way to nudge customers to spend more, get to a certain level. Um, I think that's an interesting way of doing it. I also like bundling products together or creating packages of products. Like a lot of times, like, and I see like, like even recently on a sock company I'm managing right now, instead of just having one pair of socks and letting buy multiples, why not offer a, a pack of three or having a larger set? And so people see that there's, you know, yes, and there's a discount by getting them all together, but you're bundling them and you're just making it frictionless and easy to add to cart all of these packages together. 
I also think things like, you know, upselling and cross-selling. I mean, more recently, Shopify has kind of opened up, as no certainly on the plus side, you know, these post-purchase upsells and some new subscription offerings and things. And there's some great apps out there that can help pre and post sale with this thing called card vaulting now where you can actually can upsell people and offer a complimentary product or increase the size or double up your order for only 50% off, like kind of on, on, on a countdown timer. So that would be the upsell and the cross sell kind of opportunity, I think is a, is a really interesting way of looking at it. And I also think that loyalty programs are super important. Again, nudging people in the right direction and especially with consumable products because you want people to come back and repeat in the retention marketing and loyalty that goes along with it. And then the last thing that I think is super important and it's kind of a typical customer experience thing. And I, when, it's a, I hate to say it, but it's one of the first things I notice when I get onboarded with a new brand, the first thing I look at, do they have live chat or not? Yes or no? Is there a pulse on this website right now? Even if it starts off with an AI chat bot, at least asking some of the common questions and going to a fax document and pulling in some information. How can I help you today? Oh, I'm looking for this. And did this answer your question? Or what's my tracking number? Or how quickly do you ship? Or, you know, is your product vegan? If they're asking all the right questions, a chat bot can answer it quite quickly. But then, no, I want to talk to a human being right now. Click. And then do you have somebody available? through an outsourced partner or can you handle it in, in, in house? I think if you have a lot of those, you know, four or five things in alignment, that really helps, I believe really helps AOV. I'm sure you have more things that you recommend too, but I think it's, it's interesting that, that there are some basic business skills that you can do to increase that average order value. And then if your profit margin is there, exactly like you said, and you have a three X based on uh, your cost of goods, then, you know, you might be a good fit for ad Kings because you have a lot of those, those pieces in place. Yeah, I, I would just add a, f- a few interesting uh, stories very shortly on some of the things that you've mentioned about average order value. Just a few examples for people to understand it. People shouldn't limit themselves just with a tangible product. So for example, if they're selling some kind of a product, they shouldn't forget about digital products too. Uh, that works pretty well as well with the, with the upsells. Even some kind of a PDF, a short course that goes uh, quite well with a product that you're selling, or even just a digital form, if that's some kind of a personalized gift, let's say if that's, I don't know, a canvas or whatsoever that you're you're selling maybe maps or, or something like that, I don't know what's, what's the audience or what's the product, but even just a digital PDF file of the same product, uh, we have seen that working pretty well in having 20, 30 percent of customers buying it as as well with the with the product that you're selling is it it will help you a lot and just adding a a few you know extra dollars uh, to in if you have huge volumes it will become you know in in thousands and tens of thousands in at the end of the day and about the bundling and selling uh, instead of one product but two or three products we have a very good example as well and now we always do we, we have develop some landing pages which work again and again and we have some clients uh, which have even eight percent conversion rate on these landing pages let's say if you're selling some kind of a cosmetic product which um, i don't know let's say liner or some kind of a lipstick or, or or whatsoever that is like a single unit product definitely straight away just uh, sell free and say you know or even don't let them actually choose one just Give go for like two or like four. If you have multiple colors, put straight away, you know, the multiple color. Don't give too many options because too many options means a lot of hesitation. Just say that's the best seller. 
that you have and people will go with it. And very sure thing that how we helped actually one client from Miami to save about a 10,000 actual profit at the end of the month. It was just increasing uh, the minimal uh, order quantity for free shipping. This is what we did by default, but all the competitors were kind of having a free shipping, I think from over 200 or like even 150. So what we did is we introduced that it should be, I think about 130 or 140 dollars uh, from when they start getting free shipping. We changed the shipping provider as well with the recommendation and the average order value increased by 15 or 20%. So it went from 120 to 150. And yeah, people were buying more. Conversion rate didn't really drop. And at the end of the month, they had extra 10 grand that they could, you know, just invest or just uh, take uh, out as a profit just by changing just a small tweaks in uh, in a shipping or AOE. So let's talk about the pros and cons of hiring an agency like yourself or going to a marketplace of freelancers or doing it in-house and just educating and training and or hiring someone to manage the account in-house. I hear this a lot where like, you know, I want to get maximum value. You know, let's hypothetically say that you're paying someone $5,000 a month as an employee inside your company to manage all of your growth strategies, a lot of them, and they just kind of, you know, you let them have free reign plus ad spend. So, you you know, for $5,000 a month, you have a person, you plunk them down. That's a good starting point, I suppose. But then on the flip side, though, there can be a learning curve (laughs) that goes along with all of that. So I would love to hear from your perspective about, because you've also been a freelancer, you have an agency, but you also have brands, I'm sure, that have in-house advertising pros, or at least they believe they're, pro- they're professional what they do, but they've then chosen to go with AdKings instead. And so just would love to hear your, your thoughts around this. Yeah, very, very good question. Very common question. Most of the time people need to experience in order to answer it themselves and just understand what they need at what level. Pretty straightforward, pretty easy for, for, for me. Everyone have their own subjective opinion and there's like a number of ways how you can do it. But uh, just right off the bat, uh, let's say if, if you're a freelancer or you have a freelancer working with freelancer, for instance, Freelancers are good at the very beginning. Once you're smaller, I would say it's good to outsource some of the activities because you will always have some other priorities in the business that would create way more values, uh, value for your business and will have way bigger return on investment. So it's definitely just to free up your time. You, you need freelancers. And if I'm feeling that the business is too small, I always recommend find firstly the freelancer start getting used to handing someone their responsibilities because this is another challenge and a psychological challenge that people need to go through it is just give the other people a responsibility and just don't really check or micromanage them at the end of the day. It's cheaper, it's good to a certain level, but uh, you will reach at a certain level that uh, your business have outgrown their skills and capabilities. They'll definitely, at the very beginning, most likely will give more maybe focus to your business. You will have a direct contact with the person who will be executing everything. That's great. 
if you will find the right freelancer for sure, but but still it's it's really good for you, then um, I would say kind of a challenge that would be you need to find them and sometimes they won't be available because they have as well multiple clients and you don't know how many clients they have. Maybe they're going on vacation, so who's taking over the activities? If they leave, you need to look for someone else. And once again, you're going through the same learning curve and looking for like a new freelancer, etc. But at the end of the day as, as well, how much that one freelancer can do if you do, let's say, Facebook advertising. In Facebook advertising, you need to know technical aspects. You need to do copywriting, creatives, like video editing, images. You need to test the enough and so on. So there are some pros and cons with the freelancers, for example. With in-house, somehow related, but a little bit different, you need to have someone in a team have a knowledge whom you're hiring and how you can evaluate if they're a good fit or not. And again, if they leave your company, the big challenge would be if you have tracked and created you know, standard operation procedures or some knowledge base or whatsoever. So someone who would come to the account later, whom you would hire later, will they know enough information? And if that knowledge transfer is good enough, but even though you would have a marketing person in the team, the big issue is that still someone in a team would need to project manage them, uh, meaning set the goals, overlook them, look if they're doing good enough job and, and so on. So that's a, a really big thing. Uh, another thing that I hear is, is that um, even yesterday I was talking with a, with a guy with e-commerce business and the, they had a marketing guy who'd been doing marketing for 15 years so he knows what he's doing they have grown the business to six million in i think nine months or so but they decided to look for an agency instead of building the whole in-house team because they understand that there is a project management included they need to look for people so there's a lot of hiring included as well and at the end of the day you will need to build the processes which most likely your marketing manager won't do it so either that's you or someone else in a team and uh, the other thing is that your internal team would be working on your business mainly. So how do you get educated and they get the newest trends and activities that's happening in, in the market? So once you are with one, one account, it's okay. But uh, things are changing really fast, even in every channel. So you have to be somehow updated. It's not enough just to check some education. It's good if you would have a direct hands-on experience with some other accounts and so on. And if that's an agency like us, definitely that will be, I guess, more expensive. There are some cheaper solutions, I would say, but it usually comes at a cost because agencies would then have a lot of clients, so you won't get that uh, enough of attention. Still, most likely will be a little bit more expensive depending on, on the structure. Uh, we usually like to do a fixed fee plus ref share, so we would grow together with a client and we can dedicate more resources and we would have some skin in the game as well. But that's how we diversify our price as well for a client. But we can grow really fast as well. If we see that the low-hanging fruit is an email, we would switch our focus to email instead of just focusing on advertising only. And since we're working with multiple businesses, we see the trends happen across the market. We work in smaller teams, we call them pods so usually that one person already have some experience with with other businesses but each week we share the uh, the experience and the learnings and so on within the team so 
other maybe accounts can take over some of the tests that it went really well with the other account. In our case, we've business consultations as well, connections, partners. There's quite a bit of things that you go through and you can teach. It comes at a cost. That's why we have the tendency selecting the clients because we're not a good for everyone because with a smaller business, most likely it won't be too expensive. But if you're at a good size, I think uh, it, it should be fine already. That's why we just uh, understand that we're not a good fit will be too much expensive for a smaller business. And that's fair. And thank you for sharing that because I think that adds a lot more clarity now about where you could fit as a freelancer agency for those in that certain kind of complexity or GMV. And there's lots of other things to work on more than just, hey, I want more conversions. There's You can go directly to a freelancer and I think that's a good starting point. The in-house, I agree with you, the hiring challenges. And then I also uh, appreciate this whole, you know, your mantra around this trusted advisor and being able to help a brand grow, maybe even outside of Facebook and Google, but through other different best business practices and stuff like that and consultation. So I think that's uh, an excellent way of kind of explaining it. So let's talk about the people that are listening today, because, you know, I know you can appreciate this. There's a lot of different types of entrepreneurs. Some haven't even launched their store and they're listening to this podcast, thinking about what they want to get involved in, or they've dabbled in a few things and it hasn't been successful yet. But there's some in the mid-market. There's lots of people listening on the plus side, the enterprise people that are listening today, more in a general terms, but because I think you're in a unique vantage point because you take a lot of calls from a lot of potential prospects and you have you know a, a handful of growing brands right now that you're executing you know your platform with right now. So I just would love to hear what sort of advice you would give brands or store owners today if they're eager to grow and then from growth onto scale. What sort of things would you want them to do today? Maybe a few things. Um, um, uh, I think one of the things that a lot of e-commerce and in general businesses um, don't really pay attention to is finance. I know it's maybe not a sexy topic, but this is the thing that will either you will sustain and, and grow the business or or you won't. If you are able to manage your financials and do the proper predictions, that's, I guess, the best thing that you should start with. So one recommendation would be definitely don't forget about this. And there is a, a lot of challenges, especially when businesses are growing with the financial management, because e-commerce is cash flow, cash intensive in, in general. If you have especially a lot of different products, if you're a clothing brand or like you have a lot of different SKUs, you'll need to continuously put a lot of money in your warehouse so you wouldn't run out of the stock and you can continue growing. So you will either need to someone in a team who can invest the money or like to find investors or borrow the money because that will be a huge uh, thing, uh, especially if you have a lot of different SKUs. To be honest, what was really, really beneficial uh, for us, both as an agency and how we approach and manage the e-commerce businesses, we look a lot of uh, into financials. I really enjoyed um, the book and I recommend to everyone, even like at a personal level or the business, it's called Profit First by I think Mike Michalowicz or something like that. So it generally just talks about how business owner looks at the at financials and how accountants look. And what's the biggest problem is that how businesses operate, they usually just look at their financials at the end of the month once they get the P&L. And, uh, you know, already the month passed, so there isn't much that you can do now. So you should be actively monitoring what's happening, how profitable you are, 
even on daily or weekly basis. Uh, we use some Shopify apps for that. We do financial predictions. We have developed Excel sheets where we put into all the fixed fees, all the variable fees related with the process, payment processors or uh, your cost of goods sold or like fulfillment fees and, and, and so on, packaging or whatever. And this just spits out us, you know, at what level, what will be your operational profitability. This helps us theoretically, but gives uh, a lot of value for our team to set the right goals, but at the same time for a client to know where we're heading and what most likely cash flow they will have at the end of the month and how profitable it will be. So this is definitely a thing that's, just by doing this, you'll make way better decisions than just look into advertising channels and just seeing the ad spend, the return on ad spend and things there and just seeing a bigger picture. It's definitely what would be really, really helpful. So monitoring your finance, definitely a thing that you should do from the very beginning, because if you're not doing that at a smaller level, um, you won't be capable of doing that at the bigger level as well. Yeah, I would say definitely uh, it, it was mentioned but if you start focus and think about your profit margin and uh, your average order value, because this can be a big challenge why you're not really profitable if you don't have a good enough profit margin, because you'll if, if it's a smaller profit margin, you will need way more volume. There's more operations in your back end, uh, fulfillment, customer service and so on. So you have a more room if you have a higher AOV and a bigger profit margins. Yeah, and I would say, to be honest, what we see as a, as a big trend is creatives in general, meaning video and uh, images, because uh, just we can just imagine, I'm always giving this uh, simple example. If you would go to any kind of retail shop, let's say you would go to buy some kind of perfume, you would go there, you will have, maybe you can smell it, look at it, experience it. You know, maybe there would be even a consultant as well guiding you through this whole journey when you are in a retail shop. But once you come to the website, there's no consultants. And you should have overcome all the objections that the customer should have. And every one of us are consuming information differently. For others, it's more about they're more visual. So they're interested just looking into images or videos. Others like to get into details and read everything. Others more interested into, I don't know, some information about the, the product, with how it was made, what it is included, and so on, other experiences, uh, what are the action steps once you'll buy the, the product, uh, how you should consume it or use it, and so on. And we consume information differently, so you should cover all of these as well on your website, and you should definitely really understand to whom you're selling the, the product. And you should really, really focus on the creative, because image can tell way more than, you know, a block of text. And sometimes even some icons can tell way more information than, you know, two sentences. If that's a vegan product, if it was tested with animals, it's made in, in US, is it free shipping or whatsoever? The same thing with images or even in a section where you have images, even having a short video uh, about the product, you need to overcome those objections. And those objections, if a customer will leave the website, as well, you need to have the same videos and images in your funnel when you're advertising because most of the people just consume the, the first one-third of the website. So if you have some objections that you're overcoming in the middle and at the end of the website, uh, most likely the majority of your customers haven't really seen those. So you should th think this as a, as a retail shop and think of how you're overcoming these objections and 
creatives definitely is is we are investing a lot of uh, our efforts and resources in hiring the team internally because uh, as, as well conversion driven creatives everyone is not yet experienced with that so it's really important if if you would understand and know how to do those it's interesting the the influencer and the creator economy right now is just obviously exploding massively right now and everybody wants to be an influencer or um, you know with YouTube channels and people trying to earn an income being a creator um, but there's a lot of incredible talent right now um, out there and so I think there are ways of aligning yourself with this kind of creator economy to be able to position your product um, out into the market and get access to this content too these you know there's some rights management tools and things that are available to hire a creator in exchange for, you know, product or an affiliate link or whatever it is. And then that's at scale because you can really get, you know, a hundred people starting producing content around your brand. And then a lot of that can be used in social ads because it's very authentic. It's real. It's social proof. Um, and they have a built-in baked in kind of audience. So it's interesting. I wrote another thing down here as, as you were speaking. What's interesting is that I find a lot of brands have this thing called analysis paralysis, in, in, meaning that there's a lot of things to look at. And I think that's kind of, you know, back to this trusted advisor and these business skills that Ad Kings brings. But it's just like, there's a lot of things to look at. You look at Google Analytics and you start going into your Facebook ads manager and you're in AdWords. And you're, there's, you know, and there's so many different things. And you get the influencers and you get them, you know, all these different things going on, a lot of task switching. I think if you distill it down to like, you know, to some smart goals, that's kind of a framework that's been pretty popular, you know, being specific and measurable, attainable and relevant and time-based. You have these smart goals, but you only get a couple KPIs that are important to move the needle because you can't look at everything everything. Yeah, there's some vanity metrics out there that are kind of important. A lot of these BI tools and different kinds of analytic tools and things out there that, you know, these pretty bar charts and graphs and things, that's all fantastic. But you know what? What is important today? Like, what do you want to work on for the next 90 days? And that's what I do with a lot of brands. I say, let's do a 90 day sprint and let's pick two KPIs that are important today and let's move the needle on those. If it's an AOV increase, well, what's your AOV today? Let's execute on some AOV strategies or I feel my conversion rate is low. Okay, if you feel it's low, let's not send any extra traffic. Let's leave things as is. So your organic or your paid reach is what it is. What can we work on today that can increase your conversion rate? And believe me, I have a laundry list of things that people can do to increase conversion rate or to increase AOV. Or maybe it comes down to maybe just the click-through rate on their paid ads is poor. Okay, well, that's back to the comment you just made about the creator and the, and the quality of the, of the content that's being produced. Or maybe there's ad fatigue. There's a lot of stuff going on. That, and, and I appreciate you know, you being honest and transparent about, you know, this is the reality of paid acquisition today. There's a lot of pieces in play here. And I think you help distill a lot of that down into some measurable kind of KPIs that are important and just execute on it, right? That's totally true. This is how we actually do it. We, we have some smaller goals on a monthly basis, but usually we'll look at a quarter because it has 30 days, but it's like, it's, it's not a lot to do enough things. So you should have like those bigger milestones, which you want to achieve every quarter or so. It's like a product launch, the increase in AOV or something like that. To be honest, this is just with those focuses, just um, a few cases that happened very recently just um, an example, 
We started working with Australian brand, uh, their skincare brand back in just before Black Friday, to be honest. And they've been following us for quite a while. There's three great founders of, of this brand. And uh, we set the right expectations, guys. We cannot do <laughs> enough for you because we've been preparing for this period of time with other clients for months. And you're just coming into you know the last few weeks before Black Friday. But uh, we decided to take uh, them because uh, they had really great product. The, the website looked really nice. They had influencers, UGCs, and so on. But they couldn't yet scale because, uh, well, the, the guys just didn't have enough skills and experience with advertising and so on. And to be honest, they were doing, I think at that time, about $50,000 or so. They scaled a little bit just because they were trying to acquire new customers before the whole uh, sales periods. And yeah, we started back in October and we are still working with them and they have grown from 50K to 250K that we're maintaining now on a monthly basis. And the same thing happened with the we had our brand from US. They're really, really established on Amazon. They've been in as a, as a business. They were selling uh, off-road kind of a tools for like a big trucks and then so on. And they've been doing that on Amazon for five years. They're well known in the industry. And uh, they've been doing about 200K, I think, on Amazon on average. And on Shopify, about 30K. Just spending a couple of thousand a month. But since they were pretty known, they, they've been generating about 30K a month all the time. But yeah, like they had a really great as well images, really qualitative. The website looked nice. The brand looked really good. Even though you were coming from Amazon, from Amazon, usually brands don't have really good profit margin, to be honest, because they usually compete on Amazon on prices uh, because that's uh, kind of a volume game. It's kind of a cash cow. I'm always saying it if, if you are in a good position, uh, but you need to invest in your brand later on. So even though their profit margin isn't that great, but uh, since they were really established and in, in the market and everyone who knows them, they sell really quality products. Yeah, and they grew from 30K to, I think, 260K a month. Now we're doing that about in, in January and February as well. But uh, we, we were able to maintain their profitability even. Uh, so it's just having the right tools in place. And if, we have, if you have the right tools that we talked before, brand, mindset, average order value, profit margins, creatives, and so on. And then we combine, you know, with someone who knows what are the priorities. It's definitely, you know, growing the brand isn't that difficult, to, to be honest. It's, it's sometimes difficult if you don't have those, those things. And later on, of course, you won't have some of the things. But if someone can consult and help you with that, definitely you will cut some corners quite fast. So how can people learn more about Ad Kings, both the agency? I understand you even have a podcast. I've actually recently started listening to it. Um, maybe you can share some details for the listeners today. Sure. So generally, we have if a few places. We're really huge advocates on. Uh, we've been doing that from the very beginning. Um, we've been trying to educate and and spread the good information um, in the market. So we have a community on on Facebook. You can just. Google Atkins Mastermind, um, or just go to our Facebook page and there you'll find a group community. So we have over 2000 members, but we, we share really qualitative information like uh, in-depth case studies. We have memos and so on, which we send 
uh, from our recent findings and the tests that we do. So, and we have decided to do the, the podcast. Uh, I wasn't really involved that much. Uh, my partner was mostly, but uh, we just recently relaunched it actually. So now we're both coming to, to the podcast and we talk about the realities of our own work, but at the same time share the best information that we discover uh, every week and, and, and month with our clients uh, since we are spending quite a bit of money on advertising. Usually it is about two to three millions a month. Uh, so there's uh, quite a bit of um, data that we're getting and we're seeing, seeing a lot of different trends across the the, the clients. Uh, so the, the show it's called, it's a built to scale show. And you could Google it and, and just say it, uh, build to scale Hatkings and you'll find it and uh, or btsshow.com. That's excellent. And then it's adkings.agency. I'll make sure all of these links are going to be in the show notes. So adkings.agency, the Built to Scale podcast, highly recommend. Check it out now that it's been relaunched again and just sharing frontline, you know, conversations confidentially, but still, you know, real case studies of kind of what it takes to grow and scale a brand. I think in today's uh, kind of competitive environment. Thank you so much for, you know, coming on the show. And, you know, as you know that, you know, Shopify's mission really is to make commerce better for everyone and and based on this recording i just i feel that you and the ad kings team really are in tight alignment with wanting to help shopify brands to you know grow revenue and lifetime loyalty and you know plus you know the business consulting side of your business i think it's it's more than just we're going to help top a funnel and drive traffic to your website there's a there's a, a larger scope of of business skills that that need to be executed on and i'm glad that you have that opportunity available to brands that are listening today and you know once again just thank you for sharing your knowledge um, and your vision and for giving back to the shopify ecosystem yeah it was a pleasure uh no worries um always happy to help all right. Have yourself a great evening. Yeah. You too. Have a great day. E-commerce Fastlane is brought to you by OmniSend. OmniSend is an email and SMS marketing platform built for nimble Shopify merchants who want to increase their sales and not their workloads. Full Shopify integration, pre-built automation workflows, intuitive segmentation, and no-code editing makes it easy to get up and running without diving into the nitty-gritty details, unless you want to. More than 50 thousand e-commerce brands use OmniSend to grow their businesses on autopilot, converting their customers with quick to build, highly relevant emails and texts. So visit OmniSend.com, start your 14-day free trial today with no credit card required. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank you personally for being a loyal listener of e-commerce Fastlane. It's my hope that this podcast is offering you a ton of value through growth strategies, tactics, and exclusive insider tips on the best Shopify apps and marketing platforms, all with my personal goal to help you build, manage, grow, and scale a successful and thriving company powered by Shopify. Thanks for investing some time today and listening to the show. I'm so proud and excited that you have a growth mindset and are a constant learner. I truly appreciate you and your entrepreneurial journey. Enjoy the rest of the week and keep thriving with Shopify.